All right. What do you guys want to talk about? Stuff. Stuff. <laughs> Should we jump in? Sure. You want to do an intro and then jump in? Sure. Or jump in and then do an intro? I don't know. I feel like, yeah. You guys, sorry, you guys did everything. <laughs> I'm just watching. <laughs> what do you want to do, TJ? No, I just, I'm just here. <laughs> Welcome back to another Strong Towers podcast. I'm John Ackerman, and I'm here with Tom Edwards. We're without Mike Lara today, uh, but we are here with our good friend TJ Bramblett. Hi, TJ. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Hey, TJ. And we're continuing the conversation that we've been on for the last few weeks now on Challenge. Uh, so a couple weeks back, we kicked this off with me, Tom, and Mike just sitting around talking about our experiences running 200-ish miles with yeah. the Ragnar Relay. And then we kind of we began to talk about how that relay really triggered a few different things in us from a challenge perspective, that there was the obvious physical hurdles to overcome uh, with training and preparation and the actual execution. And then just some of the the mental challenges that we had to face of how do I make my body run further than I've ever made it run before. And then we also discovered along the way that there was a spiritual component too, that as a team, and individually, we were all seeking to further our relationship with God through this race, both as a community and individually. And so we've now spent uh, the last couple of weeks talking specifically about spiritual challenge and how we've pursued that outside of the Ragnar Relay, but just in our day-to-day. And we had our other friend Todd Bramblett on. Todd happens to be TJ's dad, and so we're trying to keep things in the family here uh, with people that you know have shared some stories and shared some experiences together. But now having spent some time talking about spiritual challenge, we want to focus on that second element we brought up, mental challenge. And there's something about mental challenge that just seems to appeal to guys. And so that's just where we want to begin the conversation is, what is it about thinking that just seems like so much fun? Well, I think thinking, <laughs> you know, I think there's a part of it that is a little bit more easily accessible than, than maybe the other categories are. You know, when we were talking about uh, spiritual challenge or if we're getting into physical challenge, I feel like there there is some kind of bar to entry, not that you can't come in at whatever level that you're at, but in terms of time, energy, resources, mental challenge seems to be a way that we can push ourselves a little more easily maybe than the other categories. I don't know, yeah. TJ, what do you think? I know this is a, a hobby of yours, thinking. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think you're right, Tom. I think that probably uh, the mental challenge, we're more f- familiar with it, mm-hmm. than at least the spiritual challenge probably. And some of us are, are very unfamiliar with a physical challenge. Right. But, you know, because we've, we've all gone through years and years of school, presumably. But there is something about mental challenge that if – 
I don't know, like the type of work I do at least, it's not physically challenging, right? I'm not mm, picking right. anything up, I'm not lifting anything. Um, so I'm not really exerting, you know, I have to like have good posture in my chair. That's like the only thing <laughs> I do, you know. Uh, that is a challenge. It's a challenge sometimes, yes. But there is, so so my work is all mental challenge and right. it really is, it really is fun. It's, you know, it's problem solving. A lot of the challenges trying to create something new that hasn't been done before or solving problems and I'm, you're solving uh, the type of work I do, I'm solving 30 different problems a day. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoy that. It's tiring, mm-hmm. but you know, at the end of the day, I feel like I accomplished something. Yeah. But this, I feel like for you, at least, it, it goes beyond what you do for work, right? Like you tend to be engaging in your spare time in reading and and thinking and trying to process through things and and not at like a, a basic level usually you know you're you're usually into like pretty deep stuff that that really is challenging you and and confronting you and forcing you to make some of those mental gains yeah when you with with this business that i've been doing for about four years now it seems like all of the extra time i have for mental challenges outside of work get consumed by work Mm -hmm. and so the challenges i'm thinking about are you know how do i come up with a pricing model that works and how am I going to like find new clients better and things like that. Um, so a lot of it is sort of in the context of my career, but I like to, the things I like to do are kind of nerdy. Like I, I, um, <laughs> I, you know, I was just studying like quantum entanglement and things like this, things yeah. that I, I try to tell Caitlin about it. I'll be excited about something like that and she'll, uh, she'll tune out within like the first three seconds. <laughs> but there is something about trying to wrap my mind around something that is that is a challenge that's that's mm-hmm. beyond me that is really exciting to me. Yeah. So pull on that a little bit more. Like if you can think back to, you know, growing up, going through school, all that kind of stuff, what do you think is in that mental challenge that is stimulating to you, that, that engages you and, and makes you want to push further? So I have a very entrepreneurial bent. Definitely. And so for me, I think the mental challenge is 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 always around trying to come up with a, a solution or a product or a service mm-hmm. that is unique and interesting. And, and so, you know, I have, you know, I have to admit, aside from the business that I'm running, which is a services marketing business, I have probably 10 other ideas that I'm cultivating on the side for products and other things like that. And I've, I've tried to whittle those down and you know, I, I, I only have so much time uh, for those types of things. But for me, the mental challenge is trying to, trying to solve a problem you know, that hasn't been solved before. So with different products or, or sort of software ideas that I've had, what's a need that's out there? Are there already competitors out there? Things like this. Even it's just an exercise, I actually find that there are businesses that I know are I'm never going to start. Like I'm never going to go, you know, I'd have to go go get funding or something like that mm-hmm. for that. I'm never going to do that. But just the just the process of of thinking about that is really exciting to me. Actually, one of the other things that I really um, do kind of on the side outside of work is I, I so I almost went to school for architecture. Uh, it was kind of a last second audible decision to not uh, go to Virginia Tech uh, to and study architecture. And so there's something about building something in my mind first before I'm, you know, not physically building it, but, you know, I've, I've designed tons of different plans for, 
you know, our future house and things like that. <laughs> and I really enjoy the mental challenge mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. thinking through, you know, this room should go over here or the staircase should be here and, and like this and everything. Um, and so that's, that's really fun. And that really is a mental thing because obviously I'm not creating anything. Right. It's a creative thing. But like, sort of, I guess it's the mental creativity mm-hmm. uh, is what I really like. So what about for you, Tom? Because I know that Headspace is a fun space to play in for you as well. You know, whether yeah. it's with science or you know you did go to school for engineering right uh, you know not to mention the the books that you like to read and and that creative you know energy that you have as well so what is it about the headspace for you I think in terms of education occupation that kind of brain space I run along the same lines as TJ as uh, very much a problem solver let's take a look at all of these pieces and figure out how we get to where we need to get to but then outside of of kind of that workspace, I go the opposite direction. And uh, for me, mental challenge is much more heavily the creative Mm -hmm. arena, whether that's uh, reading science fiction fantasy or writing it myself. You know, I I tend to take up those uh, as more of an outlet to think through, imagine through, create through whatever kind of thoughts are are processing in my head. And, And I think for me, I found that there is there's a need for that as sort of decompression, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I even enjoy doing puzzles and I've gone through, you know, st- stretches of time with Sudoku or, you know, those kinds of things. And it is like a, okay, I, I need these couple of minutes to myself to just engage my brain in a different way. Yeah. Not necessarily a completely arduous, quantum entanglement <laughs> issue to deal with. I don't know what it means. Can you explain <laughs> it to me? I, not really. I think it has something to do with how the Avengers came back or some. Oh, That's, spoilers. Sorry. That sounds right. That sounds right. <laughs> <laughs> so being able to, to shift mentally, I think uh, for me is a big part of, you know, being in my headspace is a way that I can separate from other things that are going on. Yeah, no, I like what you're saying about the creativity piece. Mm -hmm. I think I'm realizing even as we're talking here that the problem solving thing, it really is in the context of creativity. Mm -hmm. It's it's using whatever lobe of your brain that is. That's the fun part about it. Whether you're, whether it's architecture, you know, you're building something or, you know, whether you're building a a house or a business or something or something else. I feel like that's the part that I really enjoy uh, is the part where I'm I, I'm using sort of like the creative energy that I have. Yeah. Well, and you're trailblazing, right? Even if, you know, you're taking a look at this business that you're considering starting or just going through as a mental exercise and you're trying to figure out, well, have other people done it before? The answer to that is almost moot in terms of the mental challenge because you haven't done it before. You haven't gone through and, and put those pieces together or, or figured out your novel take on how you're going to put it together. And, and so I think there is definitely a creativity piece that we're engaging when we sit down and try and puzzle out whatever it is that, that we're deciding to be engaged in. John, what does that look like for you? Well, it's funny. As we're talking about how we think about thinking, I feel like we're going to we're going to have to get to an inception moment at some point and maybe somebody just needs to spin a top just to make sure yeah, we're all still okay. Sure. It's, it's very meta. <laughs> but I was thinking, Tom, as you were talking about just the different ways that you like to exercise your brain, I, I was just thinking that 
I have a lot of the same traits where I feel like I can't do one kind of thinking without doing another kind of thinking first. Mm-hmm. So like I need to like whether it's Sudoku or free cell or like some sort of like, I need to stimulate my brain before I can then go use my, like the, yeah. just, I, I have to think before I can think like there's just, there's so much warm ups before you exercise. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And it was making me realize as you were talking TJ that, you know, much like you, the, usually the biggest physical challenge of my day is posture in the chair or not tripping over students' backpacks as I walk around a classroom. So because it seems like so many of us exist more in our head in the 21st century that, Mm -hmm. that this naturally becomes as much of a workspace as it does a playground. And so we're, we're, we're made to accomplish things, whether creative or benign, but we're made to do things. We're made to feel like we've, we've done something that matters. And so now it seems like a lot of that work needs to come out of a headspace rather than through physical labor, right? I'm not actually building the house. I'm just thinking about building a house. I'm, you know, not actually creating something. I'm just thinking about how I would manipulate the thing. Yeah. And, and I think on the one hand, I mean, just in the, the creative spaces that we each occupy, we've been able to do some, some really fun and entertaining things, but it also begins to make me wonder if, if there's some pitfalls in constantly occupying that headspace. Hmm. And I guess put another way, uh, and I'm just kind of reflecting back on my own story now, I realized for how much of my life it was important to me that I knew things and it was important to me that I could think my way through things. It was important to me that I had the answers to things. Mm-hmm. And, and so as we were prepping for this, I, as I was thinking about my thinking over the years, I was realizing just how much of my thought life was geared around validation, hmm. right? That if I can come up with the answers, have the answers, you know, whatever, then I feel like I accomplished something meaningful. And because it's the 21st century and I lack the significant physical challenges of, you know, day-to-day survival and I went out and, you know, killed my food or built my house or started a fire with sticks, right. you know, th- this is the major place of, of accomplishment and validation for me. Yeah, I would agree completely. It actually was just pointed out to me really recently that it's a major part of how I see myself coming through for yeah. people is to be the guy that can think through a problem and can have an answer. Yeah. And I think that's great to be able to serve people in that way, Absolutely. but taken to the extreme, you're almost missing the people in searching for the solution. Yeah. And I think I've definitely been guilty of that in the past of, you know, going into that headspace and and just plowing forward yeah. and not really paying attention to, to what's going on around me as yeah. I try and do what I think I'm supposed to do and, and I'm good at doing and uh-huh. let me solve this problem for you. So yeah, it, it can definitely be taken to an extreme. Yeah, yeah uh, to be honest with you, I think this is probably one of the most challenging things that I have dealt with in business is you know trying to solve a problem you know, trying to think through creatively, how am I going to grow this business? How am I going to solve this problem or that problem? But also being able to take time to pause and let God into that mm-hmm. is really challenging to do. Yeah. Uh, for me, I- at least. And I, and I feel like I go back and forth between abdicating and just saying, oh, well, I'm not going to think about this. And then like making it really mine. But there is something about mental challenge that for me, where if I'm not careful, it becomes... Uh, too much about me relying on my 
yeah. ability to solve the problem mentally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah, as we start to incorporate kind of these different elements of challenge and, you know, TJ saying, I, I've recognized I need to pause periodically and invite God into the thought process because this is such a comfortable space for me to just feel like I can keep going. And I feel like that's probably standard for a lot of people that the headspace is just the most familiar space yeah. to occupy. And and like you said, Tom, I mean, it, it is, it's a really good thing. I had a, a Christmas revelation the one before last, we were sitting around the table. I don't even remember the name of the game, but the premise of the game was like really the only things that you use are the the names of the people at the table and you pull out these different scenarios and then you just pick who you think would at the table best be suited for this scenario. And then you get points if you know you have the most frequently occurring answer. Yeah. When I describe it that way, it sounds like a really lame game, but it was actually a lot of fun. <laughs> but every time there was like a, a thought-based scenario, there was one like, uh, you know, most likely to successfully lead us out of like a, a POW camp, like just some like off-the-wall scenarios. Right. Like I'm sitting around the table with all the different members of my family, and every time one of those came up, my name was the one most frequently occurring. Yeah. And on the one hand, it was like, huh, my family thinks I'm pretty smart. This is cool. Now, on the other hand, it was like, crap, this is some pressure. <laughs> I apparently need to be this smart just in case, you know, zombie apocalypse, right. like whatever the case is, I got to be ready to come through mentally. Yeah. And there was just this moment of realization of maybe I've been working a little too hard in this area. <laughs> yeah. Got to be prepared for that zombie you, you apocalypse do. for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I thought we had that figured out. It's the double tap. Right? Do, you, do we need to go through the mental challenge? Obviously, I'm not prepared for it. <laughs> <laughs> so what about bringing this mental capacity, and since we're talking about challenge, really growing that mental capacity inside of community, you know, inside of your family mm-hmm. sees you as that guy. I'm sure my family would have the same reaction uh, if if we played that same lame game around the Christmas table. Um, it wasn't lame, Tom. <laughs> it's a cool game, Tom. It's a cool game. It's a cool game. And so how do we engage in community knowing that we operate well in that space, but at the same time can get trapped in that space? Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I have, so one of the challenges for me, okay, as someone who thinks a little bit more entrepreneurial, right? I'm trying to solve new problems. One of the challenges for me is that I have, it took me a long time to learn to, to build on like first and second principles, things that other people have already solved. Mm-hmm. Like if you want to go be a, a great mathematician, it's important that you, like you should study a lot of what other people have already done before, and then you can build on top of that. And so I think in marketing, I wanted, you know, for a long time, I, re- I wanted so much to do something new that I didn't look at what people had already done and were already yeah. doing and once and, and and read books and listen to podcasts and things like that. And once I finally started doing that, I actually felt like I was able to solve problems that other people had not already figured out. Mm-hmm. That's good. And that takes some humility. You know, it takes, yeah. for me, it took humility to re- to say, all right, you know, there are other people who know good stuff, <laughs> right. you know, and who are who are creative and really good at what they do. And I should probably go figure out what they're talking about. Like mm-hmm. I should learn their system before I try to create my own. Right. right. 
What's a really hard thing I feel like, especially for a young guy to get to that point, because we want to go out there. We want to be hard charging. We want to make our mark and do all those things. And then to, like you said, be humbled and realize, you know what, those people that came before me, they're not just old has-beens. Like they, you know, they actually did good stuff. They, they made good points. There's a lot of learning to be had at their feet. And then I can go and I can figure out how I can make my mark on top of what they've done instead of recreating what they've done. Yeah. And it's funny because it seems like the mental space is lacking some of the obvious metrics that Mm -hmm. like with physical, you know, if if we're competitive, you can tell who's faster, you can tell who's stronger. Right. And and maybe you try to lie to yourself a little bit. Well, I just wasn't trying hard enough, but I mean, it's, it's pretty clear one way or the other, but it seems like you said, especially as young men, it's easy to fall into the trap of nobody else has any good ideas or, you know, these old farts, whoever they are, you know, they're past their prime. They've got nothing to offer. You know, my ideas are the best. It just seems like that's such an easy trap to fall into. I remember doing that when I first started teaching. I mean, so arrogant and so unaware of it, (laughs) but you know, people that have been doing it 10, 15, 20 years are like, Hey, you want to use this? It seems to be pretty effective. And I'm like, what do you know? You're old. Yeah. Uh, and so very much what you were talking about, TJ, of, you know, I'm, I'm going to build the world on my own foundation from a, a thought standpoint. My ideas are the best. Everybody else's ideas are the worst. And, and it, it took some humbling experiences to realize I did not have all the answers. And so that from that community standpoint, what I needed to do was go learn right. a lot from those that it turns out were actually way more accomplished. Well, I think it's harder too to identify who those are. We don't, we don't have the same, wow, like mentally you're much further down the road than I am. You know, I can walk into a gym and I can see the guy whose biceps are as big as my waist (laughs) and, and no, you know, I probably want to be doing what he's doing. Right. If I want giant biceps and not to be able to walk through a door, but mentally like we we can't gauge people as easily that way to say you know i can just tell that you have something that i i need to learn from that that i want to be where you are mm-hmm. um so it's easier especially in that mental space which we you know we get to call our own to to want to do our own thing yeah yeah i don't know about you guys but i definitely I think I said I humbled myself that it would be more accurate to say that I was humbled yeah. into, <laughs> into having to learn from other people, yeah. you know, trying my own way a lot of times and realizing like maybe somebody has done this better than I have. And so, and I, I think that's unfortunately how it happens probably with a lot of people yeah. just, just to let myself off the hook a little oh, bit, yeah. but yeah. But so, I mean, life has a way of doing that too. Yeah. Right, and, and it really does seem to be, again, as, as we're, you know, some 30 something sitting around a table. I mean, it really does seem to be the young man's challenge. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as I've hired new teachers and, and helped to mentor and train them, it's like, I keep having the same conversation over and over of, I listen to them talking and, and in a very empathetic understanding way, I just like inside my head, I'm going, all right, you're, you're going to find this out too. And, and I listen to them talk about all these great ideas they have. And it's a shame that nobody does this. And it's a shame that nobody ever thought of this before. And, And you Mm -hmm. don't like smile and nod, you know, in a condescending way all the time. Sometimes (laughs) I'm still guilty, but there is still this sense of you don't know it till you know it. And I don't know, does that have to be the process or is it possible 
Because I'm also thinking of one of our friends, and this just, I think my jaw dropped the first time I saw him do it. One of our friends is able to walk into a room full of guys and admit ignorance of specifically manly things that most guys would try to cover up as often as possible. And he'll walk and be like, yeah, I've, I've never used a power drill before. How does this work? Can, can I, how, how do you change your oil? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and things that, again, not necessarily every guy does know, but you know the questions that cause most people to, you know, posture and, and pontificate a little bit and, you know, BS their way around in circles. And, and I've now met a couple of guys that seem to have no problems whatsoever with, yeah, I have no idea. I don't know the first thing about this, but I would love to know the answer. Does anybody want to tell me? Mm-hmm. And there's a part of me inside that just cringes. Like, how, how are you? And, and then I realize that that's actually a piece in me that's just not okay. Oh, yeah. That needs to get worked on. But is this, is this just most every guy's challenge of I need to fake it as long as possible that I know everything? I think that we should be talking to those people on this podcast at some point. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I think that's unusual for sure. And and possibly as a result of some humbling experiences, maybe earlier than most of us get to them. Either that or they're just really secure in who they are and what they don't know yeah. and, you know, and know that there's a lot of room to grow. Because I think you're right, John. Most of us would just completely try to BS our way through a conversation like that where it's something that we feel like we should know how to do even though we maybe have no experience anywhere close to it i feel like that brings up something for me around mental challenge and maybe this is it probably applies outside of business as well but there's something about a fear of failure mm-hmm. a fear of looking <laughs> like an idiot that you're yep. bringing up and I don't know. There, when when you're doing something challenging mentally, there's that thing in the back of your head that I, I think for me probably limited how much I was willing to challenge myself and how far I was willing to go in certain things because I was afraid of what happens if if I fail at this mental challenge. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, for sure. Because like I had said earlier it is a way that we can come through. And, and at the end of the day, that we do want to be able to help out our families or in business. You, you know, you want to be able to bring to market something that is necessary and is going to be beneficial to people. And, and if we think about, man, this could go really badly, then we're not getting the opportunity to do that. We're not getting the opportunity to follow through to, to really be there for people the way that we want to be. And that is a tough place. I think to see that as a potential end result and then to work through it to say, I'm going to continue pursuing this anyway, or to take the other route, which is uh, I'm not even gonna like, you know, I'm so afraid of the possibility of of it not going well Mm -hmm. that I'm just going to stay back here and, not reach out and not try and challenge myself. Yeah, for sure. That's probably true for all those challenges. You know, you, you guys have talked about the the physical challenge mm-hmm. of the Ragnar relay. Yeah, and which you were a part of, which I was a part of. I yeah, think we mentioned that. Um, I was, I was, I was present. Yes, <laughs> for that. Yeah. Um, uh, no, my body will never forget the pain that I went through <laughs> during that race. But um, you know, the, the same thing there—that kind of fear of like you know failure that kind of pushes you on. But yeah, I, I do think 
for me uh, in business, it was, I don't know, I, I, I think that probably one of the things that, that set me back and delayed me for months and, you know, different chunks of months, you know, totaling up to who knows how much time, is not, the, so we talked about the creative aspect, the, the, the creativity piece. For me, when I was fearful about failing, I think it limited my creative energy. You know, it, mm. it became more about trying to, it was self-preservation. Yep. You know, yeah. how do I not screw this thing up? How do I have something that, you know, just doesn't fail? And that limited, I think, the creative capacity that I had if I wasn't afraid of failing. Right. Because so. then you're not necessarily looking to innovate. You're just looking to meet the minimum exactly. standard. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's good. So in kind of processing all of the thinking about thinking of thinking of things that we've been doing and sort of how we can go off the rails by staying in that headspace too much, by uh, allowing ourselves to essentially deceive ourselves or not serve others in the way that we're engaging our mental space. Um, why don't we kind of wrap it up with, with some things that we can do to, to challenge ourselves for sure mentally, but make sure that we are moving in the right direction and, and kind of staying in the rails and, um, and being productive in, in how we use uh, that mental space and grow that mental space. So we talked about the fear thing. Mm -hmm. For some reason, that's just been such a, a impactful thing for me. It probably the number one thing that has sent me away from the correct mental space is just not, uh, you know, as a believer, you know, it really it's been not trusting God with the God part, right? And and, and you know, I, I have my piece, right? But I but I but I've struggled, you know, uh, trying to think about God's part and my part, and I think where really I was supposed to. Uh, be all along with my business is in that creative space more. Mm -hmm. So trust, you know, uh, laying down fear, dealing with that underlying problem for me took a really long time. And once I was able to, you know, I found that in business, there's, I mean, there's so many things to be, to be afraid of. Like I, I, <laughs> I lost my biggest client. I, maybe I'm about to lose my biggest client. I had a bad call or I have a really difficult call or something coming up. There's so many things that if I let myself, it would get me, you know, I start thinking about that too much. Yeah. And it, there was a certain point in my business where I just knew I couldn't go any further with, I, I didn't have any more energy for creativity because half of my time was being spent thinking about the stuff that's God's problem. Yeah. And being concerned about things kind of breaking. And there's some, there's, you have to be reasonable, right? And it, it's I, I should be somewhat concerned about, you know, uh, protecting my flank and things like that. And having an insurance policy, if I do lose my big, biggest client, all of that is good. But it just was taking up way too much of my, my time. Yeah. And I could never focus on growing the business. Uh, and my employees were annoyed with me <laughs> because, you know, I would say, hey, here's where we're going to go. And then like a month later, you know, we, we didn't go in that direction very fast. Right. And they'd be, they'd kind of feel like, where are we moving in the right direction? And, you know, and I just had to be like, you know, oops, I was focusing on all this other stuff to try to just 
you know, protect myself and not focus on where I needed to go. Well, so it sounds like as a part of this journey that you've been on, there was a large component of self-knowledge that you needed to acquire, that some of your time in this mental space has really been understanding your story, understanding your part in the the larger story that's going on with your business, with your employees, your your customers. And and that's an exercise I know all three of us have, have gone through personally. But I also know that for you, there was a shift in the way that you understood how you were serving your clients mm. and getting them mm-hmm. to start walking through that path as well. So how do you, uh, how have you, from the business perspective, gotten people to think about their story? Yeah, so I do think, I mean, it, it, it's going to be it, just back to the fear thing, honestly, because, and I've said this before, I spent, I don't know, you know, three plus years in my business trying to, using my mental faculties to figure out how not to fail mm-hmm. and how to copy other people's systems well in order for me to survive and make money. And lo and behold, that didn't work very well. Uh, it turns out the thing that really works well is authenticity. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds maybe kind of trite, but it, in marketing, it's amazing how powerful, uh, whether you're a person or a company, just being who you are and representing your brand and yourself honestly uh, is really powerful. And and so the first step of that was, you know, I can't teach other companies to be authentic and represent themselves honestly. Yeah unless I go through that exercise for myself and for my own business. Right. Uh, and so that uh, is what we did. But in order, it, during that process, we did lose clients and we were shifting from one direction to another. And it was difficult. And, you know, revenues dipped during that process. Yeah. And I had, right. to, I had to set aside that fear and just choose to go in the direction that I knew I needed to go. Mm-hmm. And honestly, it totally revived... The business was in a place where I was, I was sick of it. I was, I was tired, and I think I don't know if this is a lesson for other people or just for me. But I realized if I'm in this space where I'm just exhausted by something, that I shouldn't remain there for long. Mm-hmm. And once I, once I, I made the shift and uh, toward authenticity and, and a, a more personal type of marketing, not only was it more effective, but I actually found a lot more joy in life in it. Yeah. And and it's amazing just how much that shift to authenticity in your thought process can be transformative. Just this morning, I was having a conversation with a guy who wants to be a teacher and he just got his first job offer and he has to respond, you know, within like 24 hours and he's, you know, he's fresh out of college and he's trying to figure out like, you know, the, the ones and zeros and pros and cons, you know, commute distance and income and, you know, can I make rent wherever I want to live? And is there a better job someplace else? And do I take the first one or do I, you know, like just, just perseverating on, you know, all the, the mental stimulus of this. And, and it was just so funny that, you know, the lessons that I've learned through failure and fear that, we ended up having a conversation based around who do you want to be as a teacher? Hmm. How do you see yourself? You know, have you seen Mr. Holland's opus too many times and you just, <laughs> you, you want to have that, but I mean, you know, who, who do you want to be? Yeah. You know, take all the logistical stuff out for a second 
and let's let's figure out at your core who you think you'd like to become as a teacher. And it was amazing how the conversation shifted. Hmm. And as he started to talk about, you know, where he was passionate about working with kids and where he was passionate about content and, you know, instructional strategies and, and not the, you know, the nitty gritty of pedagogy, but just the, this is, and he's never been a teacher before. He didn't really know. And he recognized that, but it was, it shifted the conversation to this creative mental space of envisioning possibilities and envisioning himself in this new space, you know, envisioning success and impact rather than failure of either making the wrong decision or ending up in a bad situation or, you know, not have effectively calculated the income to debt ratio or whatever, but Mm -hmm. just entering this creative space of thought of who am I and who do I want to be? And it was just, it was fun to sit back and watch the conversation change and watch where his mental energies were going and watch him walk out still with a decision to be made, but now with a much different way of thinking about it. And then looking back and going, God, I wish I would have had somebody that could have had that conversation with yeah. me. Okay, well, but flip it, right? Because what did you do for him? You mm. were that guy right. that could have that conversation. Now, almost a decade and a half into being a classroom teacher, right. you do know what it's about. You do have an idea of what I wish I would have known, mm-hmm. you know, when I was fresh out of school and, and trying to find my first job, which yeah. I know was also not easy for you. Yeah. And so I think that brings up a really important aspect of this, of where are the people that you're engaging with that can have those conversations with you, that can come alongside and, for lack of a better word, mentor you in this area of challenging yourself mentally, whether it's making business decisions or job decisions or whatever it is, but can we get to that point where we at least recognize that we need some of those people in our lives that even so we just avoid some of the pitfalls that they themselves have stepped into? I'm thinking about what you just said, John, and I wonder how you would describe the conversation you have with that guy because it seems like one of the things, one of my takeaways from this conversation is that mental challenge if it's only a mental challenge and you're in like the heart isn't engaged mm-hmm. you know there's some intersection between mind and heart that has to happen mm-hmm. otherwise the mental challenge becomes not a fun mental challenge anymore and yeah. the creativity piece goes away and so it seems like there's some intersection there that's really important yeah no i think you're absolutely right and i think that's probably one of those things that Again, going back to that, is this just a young guy problem that maybe we can't see because we're probably just in survival mode early in career, early in relationships. So much headspace is devoted to don't fail and cover all your bases. Yep. And so you really almost need an invitation into the creative space of don't worry, I've been here before. These things will work themselves out. Why don't we spend some time here instead? You know, what do you think about when you think of this instead of, you know, all the minutia that legitimately seems so much more critical when you don't know how to move past it into that, you know, sort of broader arena of, you know, heart oriented, passion oriented, creative thought. Right. Because we very quickly go from that stage of 
big dreams I want to take on the world to in the weeds all of a sudden. And if you don't have that connection, I think between the heart of why I'm doing this and the mental of how are we going to get through these next steps, then you're going to lose sight of that goal. And someone that's further down can help pull you along in that way of it is going to be okay. You will get through this, you know, keep the, the bigger picture in mind sort of things. I think you lose identity during that process too. Mm. You know, you lose like you, you, you don't find yourself in the work or in the, in the creativity or whatever anymore. And that was true for my business where when it, um, when I was just trying to not fail, uh, the business didn't look like me. It right. didn't have, it didn't share my values. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. I just think that's, that's kind of, there's, there's like an identity piece to it as well um, of making sure that there's some intersection between uh, the, the things that we're thinking about and the areas where we're directing our creativity are coming from a heart space and not just a head yeah. space. Yeah. It can't just be a mental exercise. Yeah. 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 So we mentioned earlier, obviously, Mike's not here, but he left us with some things that he had discovered from the art of manliness, some ways in which we can maybe begin to take a new perspective on mental challenge. And and so some of it was exactly what we've talked about here, that go find the people that have thought of this stuff first. You know, go read some of the the great works in literature and just become aware of what other people have done that have gone before you know go read some of the the content specific the the work specific you know things that pertain to your niche and recognize that there are those that have gone before you know some of this pursuing mentorship because you may not have that living breathing person that you would want to go to to say look you're 10 15 20 years ahead of me and Mm. you've got more figured out than i do tell me tell me tell me tell me tell me uh you know we don't all necessarily have that person sitting next to us or you have their number in our phone. Uh, but another one of the things that Mike found on this was the benefits of taking up thought discipline, hmm. meditation or whatever. But I don't know about you guys, but more mornings than not, when the alarm goes off, probably within about 60 seconds, it feels like my brain shifted from neutral into like fourth gear yeah. and the thoughts are already spinning for the day. And if I'm not careful, that's how my day begins is already planning, troubleshooting, problem solving. And I haven't even gotten to the shower yet. Right. And for so much of my life, that just seemed normal. But learning to discipline the mind so that it doesn't begin that immediate beginning of the day spin, that you can actually quiet that mind and have something that's perhaps a little bit more helpful or positive or uplifting, or at least just not so immediately exhausting. Yeah. First thing in the morning seems like time well spent. Yeah. I mean, and you just said you have to protect that time. Yeah. Like you're, there's all these studies that show that your best creative, like mental energy is in the morning Mm -hmm. and you have to really protect that time, uh, actively in order to be able to, to think about things. And, you know, that's when I do my planning. I try try to do my most creative work at the beginning of the day instead of at the end of the day. Cause Mm -hmm. I, if it's at the end of the day, it's not creative work. No. It's just not. It's, you know, a, it's a task. It's you're, just you're bad. Just yeah. Done. yeah. Right. So, you know, I don't know. Just insulating it from all the other things that would, if you didn't, you know, would naturally. Uh, now you're thinking about bills and all the you know, your t- right. other to do right. list. Right. Well, because the reality is, 
in any of these areas that we're talking about with challenge is, you know, implicit in that is, is that we have to be pushing ourselves in that direction. We have to be striving for something in that area. And the reality is the world is like the lowest common denominator and it will come crashing in if yeah. you're not pushing back against it. And so, you you know, if you're not setting aside that space, if you're not taking up some of those practices, uh, John Eldridge talked about mastering the art of the transition, Yeah, you know, giving yourself that grace, just that mental space in between activities so that your brain isn't just spinning out Mm. all day long from the minute the alarm goes off to the minute your head hits the pillow kind of deal yeah, and opening that up. Yeah. And I like what you were saying about pushing into some of those spaces. Cause the last thing that uh, Mike had on this list was acknowledging that there are times where because of the fear of failure that we pull back from some of the mental challenges that might actually be really beneficial and yeah. might draw out some of those creative juices in us. And Many times we don't because we feel like there's not enough time or it's catching us at the end of the day when we know our brain's fried. Um, but the invitation was, whether at work or at home, seek out mental challenge, but seek out mental challenge that can possibly then be made real somehow. Mm-hmm. So not necessarily just going and studying a new thing, but then actually implement it. So, you know, I'm having to watch YouTube videos like it's my job as we're doing this house renovation. <laughs> and so it's thought exercise of I'm having to learn correct ways to safely demolition things or yard maintenance with a tractor or whatever the case. And so there's there's this thought space, but then I'm getting to put it into reality. Right. And that just seems to bring a level of satisfaction for me that just learning about things that I never got to put into use, uh, I started to realize just how unfulfilling that was that, you know, I love learning for the sake of learning. I mean, I'm a teacher, like that's, it's part of the (laughs) the contract, but you know, learning for the sake of learning is great, but learning with immediate or, you know, soon application just really seems to bring some of the best parts out instead of just creating more space for kind of that racing mind. Yeah. Yeah. I, as you're saying that, I'm realizing and kind of thinking about the fact that mental challenge, physical challenge, spiritual challenge, they're not mutually exclusive. Yeah. One of the things that I have actually found from, is a whole other story, but getting up, starting to get up earlier to work out. And there is a, there's a physical challenge. You know, when you're doing a workout that's really hard, it's obviously a physical challenge, but it's also a mental challenge to decide I'm going to not quit, right? Or I'm going to do one right. more lap or I'm going to do like five more reps or whatever. And that kind of pressing into that every morning for me has changed the way I think about work. Like it's a, like that physical challenge has had a positive impact on my, you know, other mental challenges throughout yeah. the day. So th- there's an overlap, it seems like. Yeah, definitely. So TJ, thanks again for joining us. It was a really good conversation. We're really glad you were here. Um, Thank you for having me. Sorry Mike couldn't be with us, but thanks for having me. His sister had to graduate. Congratulations, (laughs) Jessica. (laughs) Congratulations, (laughs) Jessica.
So thanks for joining us again on the Strong Towers podcast. Make sure you check us out on Facebook at strong-towers.com. Our website is also strong-towers. And you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at strong underscore towers. We'd love to see you on our social media. Let us know what you think about the episodes. Throw us a question that we can tackle in the future.